This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello guys, and welcome to another episode of the East Lansing Insider. I'm your host, Andrew Graham from East Lansing Info. We've got another exciting episode today. I'm going to be getting into quite shortly an interview with the proprietor of the two 7-Elevens in East Lansing, Ali Hyder. And we have an, an interesting discussion about what it's like to, to run that convenience store, the seven years he's been running it in East Lansing, and sort of the challenges of COVID, the challenges of how things have changed in East Lansing, and just what that's like. So we're going to get into that really quick, and then a bit of a news update from myself at the end. So I hope you enjoy, and we'll get into this interview with Ali. I'm joined now with Ali Hyder. He is the owner of the 7-Eleven in downtown East Lansing. And actually, Ali, correct me if I'm wrong here. Do you own the other 7-Eleven that's on yeah, Grand River? Yeah, I own both of the location correct. in East Lansing and a few more. Gotcha. Um, so, Ali, first of all, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. So, like we mentioned, you own a few 7-Elevens in downtown East Lansing. And I think that's kind of... We think about business owners in East Lansing, and it's very easy to think about the local businesses, the, you know, Pinball Pete's or whatever, but you're a local guy, you own a couple businesses down here, and so I don't want to give the illusion. I think people think 7-Eleven and think national company and don't think there's maybe a local person attached. So I think Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, kind of... it's uh, actually locally owned and operated, and uh, East Lansing is great, actually. This is, I've been living in East Lansing. I used to for um, 17 years altogether. Recently, um, I'm not there anymore. But East Lansing is a city, as a town, it's just full of life, you know, with all the college kids around there, and it's just fun. And I think I enjoy working personally in those both stores, and especially the game days and all that. So it just brings, like, the young man out of you. You know, so I'm, I, I get that. I, I, I'm at an age where I miss being like at that student level, you know, and you go in there and you'll be a part of that. No, I get that. It's a, it's a nice little slice of the things we miss as we grow old. Yup. How long, how long have you been in operation in East Lansing? So East Lansing, I uh, think the old location, which is at 311 Grove Street in the middle of downtown. That one is actually seven years. And the new location, uh, that is actually two years now because we built gotcha. a new one. The old location was a previous owner. And then uh, when they decided to renovate, they don't want to be a part of that anymore. And then uh, it's it's I did not purchase from that owner. It was basically purchased as a new location. Gotcha. And so I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, the sort of unique aspects of East Lansing and the, the sort of game day vibes and stuff like that. Or what are what are some other, I guess, aspects that are specific to East Lansing? And maybe, I guess, two years isn't a, a huge amount of time, but any differences kind of between the store that's downtown versus the one that's... About a so mile downtown, and a half like we, yeah, the downtown actually are the most you can say is surrounded by the bars. And uh, if you ever go into that location from eleven thirty to three o'clock on any day, not just Friday or Saturday, I mean we're the only place open serving food, and our prices are very low compared right. to like other places that open at that time. So you will see like people lined up 
like its huge impact of like people coming out of bars at tradition, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven, grab a slice of pizza. I'm going to get a taquito or some wings or in the nighttime. Bag of the chips, other, whatever. Yeah. yeah other uh, store, we don't have like that tradition. So we don't have people coming at two o'clock. So, and due to limiting of uh, staffing right now, whatever is going on, that location is not 24 hours. It was 24 hour, but uh, for just for like few weeks, we are closing it down. Because a lot of people with the variant are getting sick. Uh, but other than that, like they're both pretty comparative. You know, we uh, mostly target our MSU students and uh, what are their needs, what they like to have, or they. So based on all the selection we make to carry or not carry of a product, is totally based on what is convenient or what is in demand from students. Right, makes a lot of intuitive sense, but it's kind of fascinating to hear that. You, you touched on it just now with the, the staffing and obviously dealing with another wave of COVID, all of us. How has that been for, I guess, your business? Very much one that relies on customers coming in, buying things and yeah. leaving and interacting with a clerk. How has that, how has the pandemic, I guess, affected business for you guys? And how has it changed from, you know, March 2020 to today? Oh, it's uh, actually a huge change. And uh, to be honest, it was not easy because anyone who has a business in East Lansing around downtown, they depend on students. And especially when they suspended the school last year in 2021, I think the, so my new location opened in February, I think 18 or 19, exactly not sure about the date. And after three weeks, they suspended the school because of the virus. And putting a lot of money into a new location, you know, signing a bunch of contracts for like 20 years. And then here you go. Like there's no more students. So that one was the hardest one because that one actually depend on the foot traffic and people living in the building. And it was not easy at all. The other one, of course, no students. We still have some people who are visiting downtown East Lansing, you know, coming to the bar and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but sales wise, let's say, it take like good 60% sale out of it. So having students, Sheesh. not having students, it's around 60%. And I'm not the only business thing. Most of the businesses, they will agree with that. 50 to 60%, we depend on the schedule of East Lansing, um, MSU. And then uh, the other thing is that we encourage people, you know, like the local resident to come and shop local. And because of pandemic, I did not see that much happening as well. Because people are just, it's just a trend. People don't like to leave as they used to. And then once you add the DoorDash and all these delivery services, so we picked up some business on that side, but it's it's not at a point where it can replace the actual customers. Right. You know, so maybe four or 5%, we have like now DoorDash and Grubhub and all that, Uber Eats and stuff like that. But it the last, last two years, it's not been easy at all. If I don't have other locations or other businesses, it will be hard for me to even survive. Right. I, wanna, you, I know we've talked in the past and you mentioned, I think you have a, some other stores in the Grand Rapids area. Yeah, I have, wrong on that one. I have one in Perry, um, okay. in, which is like 20 minutes from East Lansing. And I have one in Zealand, uh, which is okay. close by Holland. Gotcha. So those two are gas station and uh, they're right off highway. They're big volume, good stores. Gotcha. So, yeah, I would think 
Well, how does, and I guess that kind of leads me similar question in comparing the two East Lansing stores. How do they compare? I guess they're very different. And you've mentioned of the, the two East Lansing stores are very driven by students and sort of traffic up and down Grand River and stuff like that. How so do those vary from the other they're ones? They're totally opposite, like totally opposite. So, for example, like Friday and Saturday night, East Lansing stores, that's their peak hours. Like they pick up after eight o'clock. In the mornings, East Lansing stores, they're dead. There's not a lot of people right. <laughs> getting donuts or coffee. It's just like a dad. Like, the there's nothing all the in students there. are in bed, yeah. <laughs> yep, especially like on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning. So yeah. there, there's a funny thing I would like to add. So Friday and Saturday, most of our sales are beer. We sell a lot of it Friday and Saturday, beer and wine. And then, you know what we sell on Sunday and Monday? We just sell a ton of Gatorade and water to get those people out of hangover. So yeah. it's just a cycle. Friday, Saturday, beer and wine. Sunday and Monday, just Gatorade. So our sales are mostly like that. Over on those gas stations, they're morning crowd. Like there are people getting donuts, coffee, pack of cigarettes in the morning. They start getting busy at 4 or 5 in the morning. On Here, yeah. we start slowing down at 4 or 5 in the morning because totally opposite hours. And um, then other than that, demographic wise, it's just depend like um, what kind of weather we are in, you know, what kind of area we are in. So if there's a lot of snow, it will slow down. Um, it will not impact in East Lansing. If there's a lot of snow, it doesn't matter. People are walking. <laughs> you still see them like, you know, out there, snow, rain, they're there. And uh, what else I can say on on this one? I, I guess like that's not a huge, whole lot change. Um, just right. some weekends and some mornings. Uh, that's a big difference. Um, very less dairy. Mm, I, I actually encourage students to use it because when I see my dairy sales and I look at it, I like hardly drink any milk. And if you look at those stores, um, you sell a lot of dairy. But I think like huh. our new generation, they don't like to be a part of dairy in the morning. So um, me as a person, I, I prefer like having some dairy in, in breakfast, but uh, not in East Lansing, not da no hmm. dairy at all. That's an interesting trend. I I know I am partial. I need my half and half in my coffee, so I'm I'm a little bit more on the dairy side. But that uh, I guess that makes sense with my college experience. I know there was uh, you know, soy milk and oat milk and stuff that started to get offered in the dorms a couple of years ago. So that, I guess that that kind of tracks with with what I know about my peers. You touched on the the sort of the cyclical nature of the buying and the sort of how you would stock and what you're noticing selling from on a kind of weekly basis. The sort of Friday, Saturday is selling stuff for parties, Sunday, Monday, selling stuff so they can recover from parties. I would assume there's also sort of a seasonal cyclical change where the summer is relatively dead. Or do you, does that get kind of replaced? Do the student activity get filled in with some other other sort of activity? Or is it just kind of ticked down in the summer and then pick back up? Yeah, so summer, we are actually very, very same thing. Like anytime there's no students, uh, like I said, 50%, 60% sales drop. So summer, we are very, very slow. Um, also, you know, like after Thanksgiving, after finals, when students leave, so a month of winter, then you have spring break, then you have summer break. So these breaks are very, very slow. And sometimes we have like a mix of staff. 
So then your local employees, they will stay. And then right. your employees who are student, they will go. So we don't have to cut down the labor. We can adjust kind it by the mix. Self-balances. Yep. Yeah. So when, when the slow time come, student employees will also leave with the student customer. So I always like to have a mix of it. Plus, uh, it's a good experience uh, when you're a student to work in a convenience store. So you kind of like have any idea of like what people do nowadays or what they eat, what their patrons are, what they're into things and um, a lot of new products and stuff so it's always to it's always good to have like uh, experience uh, when you're students of something oh, yeah. like that oh yeah you see i would imagine you you guys see quite quite a bit of everything oh yeah in the east lansing 7-eleven especially the grove street location where it is and uh at, at two o'clock uh the uniqueness about that location it's the only location with a parking lot if you notice in east lansing downtown there is or, no uh, other uh, business. Non non metered, right? Non metered. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's actually the only business where you can just go in your car, get something in and out in two minutes. And other businesses, you have to first find parking or a parking plaza. And that's the only one. And then a lot of time people ask me, do you want to upgrade? And I'm like, no, I don't want to upgrade to, you know, like a newer building or a newer style. Because if you do, it will not be any convenience for the customer. I mean, that parking lot is the only parking lot over there. And that's the only way you can be in and out. And also, sometimes there's, you know, like fights and stuff like that also in the parking lot. And a lot of time, there that parking lot is in news. And uh, I mean, they, that parking lot has a history. So... But mostly now it's uh, it's been very nice and calm, like uh, from last, you know, like few months, it's, nothing has bad happened. But that's a lot of businesses will not see that, that uh, at two o'clock, there's like 400, 500 people standing outside in that parking lot. Sometimes you cannot even take your car in or out. You have to wait because there's like 200 people standing in, in the parking lot and you want to take your car out in the nighttime after a bar rush, you, you can't. So our right. timing, we schedule our employees based on like, we normally schedule them at three o'clock instead of like two o'clock because two o'clock is just hard to like be in and out. Right. No, the bars get out and that's that yeah. sort of that wave of people just kind of floods out and moves back towards the Bailey neighborhood and their or oh, campus yeah. or wherever they're going. Now that makes complete sense. I did like the point you made about that parking lot. That parking lot definitely does have a history. Many, many cases I've, I've been in downtown East Lansing at night before and it's, it's not uncommon to see a, a police cruiser nearby. Yep. I mean, in part because the bars are all right there and they're going to be there anyways. I wanted to ask you, the the crowding in of people brings me to a point I kind of I'm thinking of from a, a recent city council meeting where Lieutenant Chad Connolly with the East Lansing Police Department was talking about how the sort of new development downtown and the new buildings that have come up have kind of funneled more activity and pedestrian activity into the sort of Albert Street corridor and kind of along where your business is. Have you kind of noticed any change with the the nighttime traffic patterns over the last I mean, seven years is how long you've been operating that store? So I guess, is that something you have been able to notice at all? Or is that just sort of incidental? Is you're busy when the bars are going and the students are here or you're not when they're not? 
Yeah, so um, with the new development, I think like they're not fully occupied yet. And uh, especially the senior housing, we have some regular customer that live there, you know, across the street, but mostly like, uh, I think once like it's fully rented out and uh, people, you know, start laying so definitely. But other than that, that East Lansing area has just been East Lansing forever, man. It never slows down. Every time when the students are back, it's full of life. So when there was nothing there, we still have those people. And with this new development, yes, there's certainly more people. Plus, it gives you a feeling of downtown now. So once you come in the nighttime, right. you know, you feel like you're in a downtown. Before, it was a little different. So a little more college-y. More, yes, yeah. exactly. So I think, like, um, it definitely have bring some people but not what it should but down in a few years uh, we'll have a lot more potential over there when all the houses are full and all the apartments are rented out and i mean there's a there's a lot of new development and people like to live in there they prefer living an apartment instead of a dorm because you have a lot more variety you have a lot more freedom and then sometime some family and friends can come in you know they can stay with you for for the weekend and stuff like that if they're visiting so a lot of uh, students i see like uh, they prefer living in apartments the other thing i would like to add is uh, all these new businesses that uh, are with that development like we uh, across the street from me we have some new businesses open they're doing great too so it's not like right. um, opening you know as a business owner you worry about hey something opening across the street is going to slow you down but that did not happen so right. I think it was uh, the new development and the new business actually draw more people and uh, it actually kind of like divided out the net, crowd. And nobody, yeah, nobody can say Nice Lansing that he, I have less people than last year or now I have more businesses and I'm having like less. Um, right. According to me, like I think like more businesses, more people. So it just even out. But now we at least have like six or seven more businesses that we mm, never had them. You know, in two, right. three years, uh, we never had those. And they're all doing good. Right. And, that, and just, just a variety, too. I mean, it's you can't have eight coffee shops in a row, but it's, you know, yeah. you have Barrio, you have Foster's, you have Jolly Pumpkin. They're all three new businesses, three yep. different businesses. Um, so I think that's a very good point. The, the net gains are far going to outweigh any, you know, competition. Yeah, I wanted so, to ask. No, go ahead. Sorry. So, like, when the when you're talking about coffee, like, the other thing is, like, that my coffee sales actually picked up more. I'm not sure why. Huh. Because I was uh, thinking about it. It's just the price point, too, you know? So, students, like, they're, they notice these things. So, when they know at the 7-Eleven, they can get a cup for $1.50, you know? Horses right. are going to pay 6 $7, and they have to budget themselves, especially if you're a regular coffee drinker. So these are right. the thing also. So I think East Lansing at a price point, I don't I, I don't want to see East Lansing in the coming years that it's it's set at the price point of like a New York City or a Chicago where you're buying like a seven, eight dollars cup of coffee. <laughs> because it's good to drink right. like that kind of like coffee, yeah, once or twice a week. But not everybody can afford spending three hundred dollars a month on coffee. Right. You know, so that I think this is the reason, too, because my actually coffee sales, they boosted up since then. Huh. That's fascinating. I wouldn't have necessarily pegged that, but I guess that makes sense. If it's it's a, even within the same product you're selling, it's still sort of not quite the same just because it's a different price point and it's a different it's kind of a different option. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, and I know 
I talked to you about this in the past. I think it was last summer about the Albert El Fresco and the closing down of that portion of Albert Avenue. I know this is something that you were not very much in favor of, or at least in sort of the way it happened, in part because of the parking lot, like you mentioned, and closing down Albert really restricts yeah. traffic and how people would be able to get down to park and go to the Grove Grove Street 7-Eleven. It seems like it's going to come back, or it, it seems likely it will at least be proposed to come back this spring. I just wanted to ask you, I think you're very much in the vocal minority on this one of being someone who wasn't, you know, I don't think, I don't want to say that you were against the idea, but it was not something that you found to be just great, which I think a lot of people did. So I just kind of wanted to ask you about why it affects you and how it affects you and sort of how, how that balance so, works. If you ever look at the map and East Lansing downtown, so basically I'm on a corner of Grove and Albert, right? Right. So it's kind of like a, you can loop around, like you can enter from Grove and you can exit at Albert or you can enter from Albert or exit at Grove. And a lot of businesses, my neighbor businesses, for example, like Hopcat, like if they have like deliveries coming on a big semi truck, I have big deliveries coming on semi trucks. They cannot back up. We actually have to call police department sometime that they need help, like backing up. How are they going to come and bring us the product? Because a semi truck, you know, like a long base, they cannot back up or make a U-turn, right? No. Yeah. So, so first of all, and it's not just me. A lot of other businesses were having a hard time receiving their deliveries. You know, like yeah, that is something, something we heard about. So, I mean, a semi truck cannot come into downtown. And most of the businesses there, the bars like Hopkins and stuff, they have like big semi truck come. They have big beer truck comes too for their delivery too. So delivery was a major issue. Secondly, if you see as a customer, you don't like to make a U-turn. So I proposed them. I said, if you want to open the area, that area should be between MAC and Grove Street. So, because let's say if you are coming in, um, you make a right from Grand River to Albert, uh, sorry, Albert Road, and from Albert, you can make a left on Grove. So there's like a U turn, you know? Right. So if anybody can bring delivery in, anybody can in and out from one side and out. I see what so, you're saying. So exactly. if they keep that area open between, you know, like don't block it, block it after the Grove Street. So I don't say just don't do it at all. I said just do it after, you know, the Grove Street. So at least semi-trucks, they can just make the U-turn. Also right. for keep customers. The, in, the inner portion closed. Yes. I see what you're saying. And then yeah. the customer, like, they don't have to, like, come around to one spot. They can in and out, too. Plus, it will give customer access to both parking plazas, too. If you think, let's say if the road is blocked and you parked at one parking plaza and now you have some friends, they are parked in other parking plaza. They cannot do that. So they have to loop around, go from the other side, come back to access, which those parking plazas are right next to each other. So this is not only going to be good for businesses. Also, we have a lot of traffic come. And in the last, I'm the only business with a parking lot. And they need to understand that we can build buildings there too we can make a modern apartment complex but it will take the convenience away from my customer because now they have to park in a parking plaza just like other businesses and then they have to park right. their car first and then they have to walk to a business 
And that's the uniqueness of my business. I don't want to take it away. And I want to keep the parking lot as it is for um, as long as I'm there. Right. That makes sense. I get it. And I think it's it's a hard, the, the Albert Alfresco is a hard thing to have, I guess, like criticism or opposition to because it was so sort of publicly popular. But I think your points are, are very valid. And I know we heard a lot from other business owners and frankly, people who went down there that it was always a problem with trucks trying to get down in alleys and maneuver Cal- around. And so that was, I think there's definitely lessons that have been learned from the first run to hopefully be applied if they do it again. They can keep the area. And I think like, if you see like the area between Mac Avenue and um, Grove Street, it's not small. So no, that's, that's, a, where, that's a pretty sizable from, from Hopcat all the way, you know, to in front of like the, um, the hotel, the yeah, it'd be kind of the whole the whole Ann Street Plaza, yep. effectively. Kind yep. of be. So, and that area is perfect for it, and that's why trucks can come all the way in. And trust me, the most like was the hardest thing was for the trucks, and all these businesses need deliveries. There's not a, any business that will say, "Oh, I don't need deliveries." If you don't deliver, right. what are we gonna sell? Right. No, that makes complete sense, Ali. I really want to thank you. This was uh, we're kind of running up on time here, but this was a really um enlightening discussion i think i i learned a lot myself and i i hope the people listening did too thank you for taking some time on me and i i wish you the uh, the best of luck going forward well thank you very much i really appreciate you taking the time out and asking me you know like i really appreciate it. and so thank you so much i really appreciate uh, you doing this and um, always happy to be a part of that awesome i really appreciate it ali hyder folks thank you thank you very much have a good day and thanks again to Ali Hyder for joining me and uh, just dishing on what his uh, his life is like and what, what it's like to operate the 7-Elevens in East Lansing, because I think that's just very fascinating. So now I want to get to a quick rundown of some of the news in East Lansing, and of course make sure to check out eastlansinginfo.news for more. The process of hiring a new city attorney or attorneys has been deferred until council meets again on January 25th. Council completed interviews with all the firms still vying for the position as of January 18th, but deferred on moving the process along at their discussion-only meeting on January 18th because Mayor Pro Tem Jesse Gregg was not in attendance. The reason Gregg wasn't at the City Council meeting on January 18th is she tested positive for COVID-19 on Friday, January 14th. Gregg's test was administered on Wednesday, January 12th, meaning she attended the City Council meeting on Thursday, January 13th, while positive for COVID-19, when City Council interviewed five of the six firms and lawyers applying for the role. This information only came to light publicly when Greg posted about it on Facebook on Saturday. It's still not known if the lawyers who were interviewed on January 13th were notified that they had been potentially exposed to COVID. And we at Eli, of course, wish Greg and her family a speedy recovery. Elsewhere on EastLansingInfo.news, there's a report from Eli's Al Hargrave about the activities of the City of East Lansing's contracted lobbyists, Speaking to council on January 18th, Maureen Watson-Bolger of McAlvey Merchant and Associates ran through a number of things the lobbyists have accomplished for the city. According to Watson-Bolger, the lobbyists successfully managed to get a carve-out for East Lansing in a state-level bill that would have restricted rental overlays and altered how East Lansing governed things like Airbnbs. Other lobbying successes included fire service funding and bolstering revenue sharing, according to Watson-Bolger. Members of City Council requested that Watson-Bolger come back before the council more regularly to update them on the lobbying efforts, work which the city pays at least $25,000 for annually. Learn more about that story at eastlansinginfo.news. 
Also of note is that the city decided at the beginning of the year to use American Rescue Plan Act funds to provide bonuses to city staff. The original draft ARPA plans presented to city council at the end of 2021 did not include any provisions to provide COVID-19 related hazard pay or bonuses to city employees, something the law allowed for. After pushback on a city survey and a request from Councilmember George Brookhofer to dedicate some of the ARPA funds to city staff, a plan was proposed at council's first meeting of 2022. In short, based on their status as part-time or full-time employees, city staff will get one or $2,000 respectively. Find more on that story also from Al on eastlansinginfo.news. There's plenty of other East Lansing news to check out at eastlansinginfo.news, like coverage of a moped parking ordinance change, basically, if you park a moped in East Lansing now, you need to park it like you would park a car, and a story on a city program to reimburse residents for household check valves also using ARPA funds. And, of course, you can find all the other episodes of the East Lansing Insider. This has been another episode of the East Lansing Insider, a news podcast brought to you by East Lansing Info and Impact 89FM. I'm Andrew Graham, and thank you for listening. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.